Welcome to the 2021 AIGA Career Festival Fireside Chat. Thank you for joining us. The hashtags for this event are AIGA Design, AIGA Career Festival, Design Jobs, and Design Community. Now, it is my pleasure to welcome Benny F. Johnson, AIGA's Executive Director, and today's guest, Judy Wirt, co-founder of Wirt & Company. Benny? Thank you, Amy. And Welcome, everyone, to our 2021, our very first, actually, AIGA Design Career Festival. I'm excited today to have our guest. Over the last few months, we've been having active conversations about what it means to explore a career in design and beyond, what it means to be hired, what it means to look for talent. And something that came up was this idea that we had an opportunity and there was a need in our community to demystify the entire process. So today I'm pleased to invite to our fireside today, none other than Judy Wirt. I can't think of a better person to help us navigate as we think about careers in the future. Judy has been working with leadership of innovative companies for over 25 years as the founder and head of Wharton Company. She has earned an international reputation as really a pivotal force in executive search. She's a trusted authority in the world of design, business, and beyond. And Judy is known for adding an extra dimension to her work. She's gained a wealth of insights, which she's gonna to share today, an instructive experience from real world examples, working with not only young professionals, but also seasoned executives. At the heart are relationships that she's cultivated over time ensuring that these opportunities for change are reflected in the interests and ongoing growth of her clients. Employing an agile approach to recruitment and strategy that's clear and authentic, Judy is always listening for the unspoken in ways to uncover strategic epiphanies and moments of clarity. I'm pleased to welcome today, trusted advisor, strategic partner, humanist, an incredible connector, Judy Work. Judy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me and for the kind introduction. Oh, it, it's, it's such a timely conversation that we're having to think about career paths. As a professional association, uh, we get conversations and questions all the time about what does it mean to be a designer? What does it mean to work in today's space? And as we talked before, I thought it'd be really great for us to have a conversation and uh, short share some of the insights. Um, but where I'd love to start, you know, often we see the end of the equation. We see what happens at the end, the product that's created, but we don't spend a lot of time at the start. So I'm going to start at the start with you. You started off as a graphic designer. You were I did. a BFA graduate. Tell us a little bit about your start. I started, went to design school at the University of Michigan and studied graphic design with a minor in textiles and fabric. Wow. And uh, it was really kind of a, um, I landed into design. Really, it was not something I had thought about for a long time, although I think I had the artistic uh, tendencies, uh, right. but went to design school. And then um, within a week, uh, moved to Chicago and found a job as a designer in the Chicago design community back in 1983. And um, 
started to find my voice in both business and design, working with clients, uh, working with the craft. And uh, one thing led to another. I started really inching more towards the business of design um, and took on some leadership project management roles. I worked, uh, I started in Chicago. I moved to Minneapolis for a short bit to get married. And then we moved out to LA as part of my husband's education. Okay. And fell into uh, working as a design manager. My One of my first big projects was I worked on a wayfinding system for the Los Angeles Central Library. Okay. He designed over 5,000 signs in the library and mapped them all out. Um, so I, I think back in the day before information design was a thing I was doing information design right um and then moved to sh- to New York also as part of my husband's education at the time with a nine month old baby uh, wow. and we had just moved from we moved from l a to Israel, all part of my husband's education um and moved to New York to find a design job and um I recall going to a firm and asking if I could come at 9.30 instead of 9 o'clock. And they said, no. Boy, has the workplace changed, right? Uh, And um, realized I needed something a little bit more flexible in terms of a work-life scenario. So I went to a recruiting firm and uh, fell into recruiting really it was serendipity. I went looking for a job and they said, Hey, have you ever thought about being a recruiter? And I'm like, I don't know really what that means, but I needed a paycheck and right. put my son through um, daycare. So I jumped in and I fell into it with an amazing um, epiphany that I love this work. I love people and I love design and I have lived in different cities. So I, um, jumped in and fast forward four years, I realized I had a certain way of recruiting that I wanted to take on and create for myself um, in a way that I believe recruiting could really be important to the industry. And so took a deep breath. It was scary right. and it was pre-LinkedIn. So all I had was people that I knew, um, and um, that's how it began. We got an email address. We got AT&T set up, which was a nightmare. (laughs) We rented a desk in an architecture firm, and I took a gigantic leap forward with my um, husband, who is my business partner. So Wharton Company, when we... When we launched Wharton Company, I really believe design was super important and integral to business success. And that was our tagline back in 1995. And we pretty much stayed true to that mission today, which now today we all know design is super important to businesses. I think we created Wharton Company because we believed that we could be catalysts for change. We could be catalysts for conversation. We could be catalysts for opportunities, for community building, right. and to create meaningful opportunities within the world of business and design. 
And really, you know, I think of design and recruiting today as I'm designing careers and organizations. So I'm still a designer. It's right. that my material is people versus, you know, the computer, the tools, the pixels, the it's tools, the pixels paper. of people's lives. Right. Well, you know, there is a great piece that you wrote in Fast Company uh, about a year and a half ago. And, and one of the sections is entitled, I think about in this story, was entitled, Your Education is Not Your Destiny. And I think about, you know, how you just describe that path and being open and willing to take the risk. Um, one of the things in our recent research that we did with our design POV, we saw that over 80% of designers will eventually start their own enterprise. And many are doing the same things you're doing where it may be an adjacent space mm -hmm. where their experience in training and design opens them up for new opportunities and new roles. So when, when you think about, you know, your work in kind of crafting your own career, what advice do you have for folks to think about um, how they keep themselves open for opportunities that may not be on the degree or the pedigree? I think an education is just the beginning. It's, it's a building block for what could come. Um, and I think my advice to everyone is really to be open and allow for serendipity. Right. And to plan while you're allowing for serendipity and let go on the journey. Don't overthink your journey. Don't set too many goals because inevitably there's going to be interruptions in, in amidst the planning. So when you think about the, the interruptions, um, we're living through for many people, what's been a really big interruption in the way we think about our world, the way we think about our lives and our families and our careers. Um, as we kind of move into our, our next space, what advice do you have for, for those seeking to take a little bit more agency over their career and life? It's a good, really good question. I think, um, you need to decide what's really important to you. Right. You need to think about um, beyond a job description, beyond a title. Where do you get your, where, where does your joy come from? Right. Where, when are you thriving? When are you um, demotivated? Why? Um, taking care to surround yourself by the people that you think will support support you and nurture you and um, don't keep your eye just on the paycheck. Find the joy. The money comes when you have the joy in your work. And I think sometimes people over plan um, and you've, you've got to allow for the the spirit of um, possibilities right. to seep into your daily existence and to take note and to, to be intentionally mindful every single day. And if it's not every single day, because every single day you've got full days, but right. mark times in your calendar to take stock of 
How are you feeling? Are you working with the right people? Are you, are you doing the thing that you thought you should be doing? Um, do you need to take a left turn? Do you need to go sideways? Um, if you over plan, you're going to, and ambitious people do over plan sometimes. Don't, don't let ambition get in the way of what feels right for you today. I think those are really powerful and in, in, in true words. When you're, when you're advising those looking for jobs, it, there's a tendency to sometimes get caught up in the big names and the big spaces. Um, when we think about choices and considerations, uh, what guidance do you have? Um, if you're looking for the big names that people expect you to do or looking for the unexpected opportunities that may be smaller names and smaller spaces. There's so much opportunity out there right now for everybody. When I think about um, the kinds of companies that we're working with, they, there's it more than ever today, the opportunities around, you know, the creator economy, um, web 3.0, the future of fintech, the future of hospitality, right. the future of marketplace, the VC world, energy and climate, um, cloud infrastructure, security and privacy, transportation. Like there's, you don't have to work at the big name to make big impact. Right. And I think that um, when I think about people who say, okay, these are the three companies I'm, I want to work for and that's where they're going to focus their energy. You're going to miss out on so many opportunities for this, the, for what's possible. Right. And, and that's really, if we we're honest about it, that was really an old model way of thinking, right? It was, it, we, the advice 20, 25 years ago would be to pick the big names, pick the spaces you want to be. And, and that's where the story stopped and ended for many people. And if we didn't find a fit, you know, you, you'd question your worth and value in a professional space. But in today's world, there's so many unique opportunities to look at where you can have influence and, and impact. Um, one of the things that I noted when we're looking at the placements that you've done, a lot of your placements don't have design in the title. You have folks who are still coming from design, but are in impacting organizations in a variety of ways and impact, whether it's ethics, uh, diversity, looking at new models of interaction. How have, how have you been able to champion uh, organizations looking for designers or those with design hearts to, to serve in those capacities? Well, I think design should live everywhere in every department. I so agree. Whether it's accounting or HR. Yeah, I think Absolutely. if you think about design as creation and creativity and inventive thinking, every organization needs design and every department I believe needs design. And I think there is going to be a shift in where design lives. It's not just going to be in centralized design department, right? but designing organizations requires design thinkers. And I don't want to overuse the term design thinker, but we're all design thinkers. And I, and I think that um, design is just not about creating experiences and making something beautiful and delightful. Design is about how the world works. Right. And we, we think about that and we, we look at the, the impact 
Um, how best for someone in the job market today to position themselves? You know, it's so often you may have a portfolio or work that we've done that kind of limits what we've only done, what we've worked on, right? And you're kind of blocked into a space. How do you recommend that um, candidates are now able to show that additional reach and passion beyond what they've done at their last position? I think they need to show uh, the ability, you know, I think leadership, leadership falls into a number of different areas. Um, and to position yourself, are you, are you an evangelist? Are you a network builder? Are you a relationship builder? Are you um, formidable in your execution? Are you, are you an empire builder? Are you, a, you know, are you just a craftsperson at heart? I think you have to decide how you want to position yourself beyond just the work, but your mindset and to begin to understand where you live within these different areas um, of, of leadership. And I, I believe design, the design space needs all of these people. Right. And so start to pay attention to, are you happier doing the work? Are you happier leading people? Are you happy bridging people? Are you, wh where, where, I keep going back to this word happy, happy sort of a superficial word. Where's that joy? Where's, right. where's that spark? And, and to, to know, to know, to be vulnerable and open to how you want to take yourself into an organization, small or large. Right. So we were talking, um, we asked the question a few months ago, to a larger design community, what does it mean to be a designer today? And we really asked the question open-ended. You know, we had no agendas to what the answer is going to be or what direction in there. We wanted to reach out and get a contemporary post check. And the responses came out into these three areas. And, and what you just talked about sparked me to think about it. It talked about being a designer in terms of skill set, kind of the doing, the craft, and the spaces. Mindset, the way you strategically approach the world around you, whether it's through the work or the product, not just in business, but in any reach. And then the last area that was critically important that we saw today that we didn't see years ago was what we refer to as impact set. And the thought of how the combination of my skill and mindset and the work that I do has an impact on the world around me. And that those three components really make up the contemporary view of a designer today in this space. I would agree with that. Mindset, craft, impact. Yeah, that's, you thought about it. So we're going to take a little bit of a pivot because I love to think about all the parts of the equation. And we're talking about looking for the job. I'd like to take the reverse of that and look at what it means to counsel organizations with looking for talent and leaders, whether they're large or small. And I, I know, you know, having great people is a part of doing great work. Mm -hmm. So as you, you've been a trusted advisor, as soon as I announced this, we hit so many companies talk about how great you were to work with, which is really kind of a, a testament. You know, what, without giving away the secret sauce, that, you know, what are the things that you advise companies today in looking for their next generation of creative design-driven leaders? 
Well, the first question that I ask all clients when we start an engagement is, what do you care the most about from in this hire? Right. What's most important to you? That inevitably will take the conversation in very interesting ways. They may have a job description mm-hmm. or a brief that they've outlined. We will often say, I'm not sure that's really what you need when I'm starting right. to hear your story and talk to your stakeholders. Um, so we try to get at what is the most, what is the, did someone tell them they needed to hire a designer or do they really believe design is important from the get-go? Right. Where does design report into? Has you know, the org chart or the org structure is very telling about how they see design as important. Is it reporting? Who is it reporting into? Why is it reporting into that person? You know, we often hear um, desires will say, well, I want to report into the CEO. Well, actually, maybe reporting into the CEO is not going to be where you have the greatest impact because the CEO is just a visionary. They're not, they don't have that operating muscle. And so reporting to the CEO is not going to be the place, the best place for them to make a real difference in your organization. So we first advise clients to figure out what is most important and then who are the people that they'll be working with, who are their partners in crime that they're going to be navigating and collaborating with and challenging and provoking. Right. And what do they envision the organization to look like Three months from now, a year from now, um, maybe they haven't even thought about that. Hopefully they have. Um, and do they need a really strong, you know, design titles these days are, are all over the board. What does a head of a design mean? Is it really the first time designer or is it a seasoned designer with 12, 15, 20 years of experience? Um, so we really try to get at with clients where they want to go now, where they want to be in a year from now, where they want to be in three years from now, who's going to be the orbit that they're going to be um, uh, inviting into the conversation. And these sound like very simple, basic questions and considerations, but it takes time and a, and a search process to, to right. figure that out, which is why a search is called a search process because right. it's a process. And it's a process that, that when done well, yields clarity, right? So said, we've seen with the clients that you've placed, we all see the incredible award-winning impact-driven work that happens on the back end. But much like with anything else, it starts with the brief and the strategy at the beginning. Absolutely. Before you have the critical design leaders, many of which we've, we've interviewed on our fireside, on my fireside chats, we have, they start off with the search. I'm looking for someone who can be transformative and drive X. Yeah, you, you have to drill down on that because that's a that's a platitude. You know, we want a change maker. We want we want a tastemaker. We we want it all. We want the person who's who's mastery and leading people and mastery in leading craft and mastering leading product or mastery in leading design. And you have to start to prioritize and rank these things because and and then you go to market and you start recruiting the talent. Um, and today there's so much activity in the design recruiting industry that you have to start to prioritize. And the market also, the responses from the candidates fuel the process as well. That you, the surges, you've got the client and you've got the candidate and you have me in the middle. Right. Recruiter, pickle in the middle. 
and you're having to negotiate and navigate these conversations and um, agendas that need to sometimes be challenged and tweaked and reformatted. So how do you know when you have that match? How do you know where individual passion and career path meet platform and impact and that you've got the right person for the right org at the right time? Ah, really good question. Sometimes you learn that through the process. You have to have a lot of conversation right. to know. I, I will never use the word, we've got the perfect match, because who am I to say that, right? You can think you do, and it's not necessarily going to be what is inevitably the perfect match. And sometimes you make mistakes, but if you have the right people in the conversations and the right questions are being asked and you allow for time versus the ASAP, I need to make the hire now. Usually those ASAP hires end up being the wrong hires. Like the word ASAP kind of turns my skin upside down because (laughs) I don't think finding a a quality hire right. that truly will make a difference in the business can happen ASAP. Right. It, it implies this urgency over quality. Right. Absolutely. And there are urgent needs, but usually people are coming to work in a company for strategic hires and, and strategic hires take time. Uh, and I believe that if you do take that time, and thoughtfulness and care with true collaborative dialogue, you will get to the right results. Now, after doing this for 25 years, I will tell you that you see patterns over time and you can quickly feel something. Like I do let intuition drive our process, but I refer to it as strategic intuition because you begin to be able to map out patterns of the kinds of people that come together, um, the emotional connections that you observe as being the pickle in the middle, um, the emails that reveal sort of engagement or you you can feel chemistry, you can feel synchronicity or not. And so you begin to develop, I begin to develop quick assessments of like, this is not going to go anywhere or... (laughs) I have a feeling in my belly, even oftentimes I will present my first candidates. We laugh about this in the office. I will be like, I know that person's going to get the job, but the client has to go through the process. The client has to, right. You have to bring them them along. You have to allow for surprises. Um, You have to allow for org changes that sort of mess up the whole search that you've been working on for two months new leader, someone's left the company. Um, you have to, you, you have to be ready for those kind of hiccups in a surge, but I will sometimes really have a very deep feeling in my belly. This right. person's going to get the job. And I will say that sometimes I'm right. And sometimes <laughs> you're still right. So, so do you have, do you ever have the spaces in which You've been pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. It's, it's challenged your thoughts of what, what was needed and you see a different outcome. Well, the thing is you, you begin to observe how people make decisions too, right? And 
some people, some of the candidates, for instance, or clients, they're very decisive. Some are incredibly thoughtful. Some have um, real life issues that are sort of getting in the way of being able to make decisions quickly. There might be timing issues. There might be a family member that's ill. Um, and those things change up. The search is not linear. So there's going to be nonlinear interruptions throughout a search process that inform the process. And you have to listen for that and be ready for that and react to that and be, be visionary about identifying what are, what are those things that are going to make a difference to bring two parties together? Right. So with clarity, conviction, and enthusiasm. Yes. Clarity, conviction, and enthusiasm. And we were exchanging notes this morning and you gave me something to ponder. We talked about, well, it's how it all works together in your philosophy. Uh, quoting Charles Eames, eventually everything connects. T talk a little bit more about how that's been an impact for your work and your thought on this space. Uh, I'm needs. really, a, I'm a believer in patterns and randomness in, in your life. I mean, if I think back to, I think about this a lot, actually, like how I arrived today in okay. doing what I'm doing. And if you, if you journal some of your, your milestones in your life, you can begin to sort of see the possibilities. So I'm just going to take you on a, a quick journey through my, my life to show you that pattern. Okay. Um, I grew up as a middle child, so I was always the pickle in the middle, for better or for worse. Right. Um, always trying to navigate everybody's needs in the family. Um, and of course, family dynamics, you know, you become a master of conflict resolution. I think we all have right. learned about that through our family structure. Um, at a young age, I think I was around 12, I started in um, honing my entrepreneurial ambitions and I was a calligrapher. So I used to do calligraphy when I was age 12 and I would sell my services. So back, that's how my design career started and my entrepreneurial. And your entrepreneurial shop. I was a calligrapher. Um, in my summer jobs, I was a receptionist for an insurance banking company. And um, I'm not joking you. I literally was responsible for organizing the Rolodex of these salespeople. So I was already in Rolodexes at a very young age. Who would have thought like, you know, 20, 30 years later, I'm actually making money off a Rolodex, if you will. Um, I became editor of the yearbook um, and president of a Jewish youth group. So my leadership responsibilities started to hone themselves in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward, got my, one of my first jobs as a designer. I did get fired. Um, and thought my career was over, reached out to an old uh, friend from, from when I was 11 years old to, re to receive counsel and care and, hey, wow. and, and perspective. Fast forward, that person became my husband. So I always joked that my firing created, being fired created an opportunity to find my love of my life. Um, there you go. You got a new beginning there. A new beginning there. Um, before we got married, though, we actually started publishing a children's book together. So that was our first effort in collaboration. And 
and um, we the the children's book is on hold because we fell in love and got married and got busy and um, but anyway that was our first so so you start with calligraphy craft entrepreneurialism rolodexes relationships relationships um, raising a child in New York needing a job going to a recruiting firm, getting hired, not knowing what that was all about. Um, so sometimes you just go with it, but you can work. These are almost like right. you could create a data visualization chart of like how these things come together. And um, fast forward today, our son grew up hearing all about um, design since he was a baby and now Daniel Ward has joined Wharton Company as um, managing director for the West Coast and sure. helping to take care of the next generation of design talent. So who knew from calligraphy to ch children's books to getting fired to, you know, rekindling a relationship from when you were 11 years old that turned into a marriage, that turned into a collaboration, that turned into a business right. that we've now been doing together for 25 years. So these are little patterns, you know, dots on a map, a per, your personal map. Right. Um, and to your point, everything connects. Everything connects. And it, I love the, the beautiful story of, of family and business and art and design and how the things that you're talking about, in your life mutually reinforce. So these patterns are going forward. I think it's, a, it's a, also a great tell for those who are listening to think about their own careers and moments, right? It's more than just the job. It's more than just the project in that moment and finding meaning. Life journey. It's your yeah. life journey. Yeah. I actually really, I really urge people to journal these, these moments. There's actually an app that um, I've started to use a while back called Day One. And it'd say, you can literally just type a headline, put an image, like start to notice your own patterns in your life that will one day reveal themselves. Maybe it won't be obvious why that's interesting to you today, but to right. map it in a way that you can look back 20 years from now and say, oh, well, I understand now what why I was faced with that opportunity or why I was attracted to that particular image or why that movie really inspired me. And it's a story, it's your story. And I think you need to be very cognitive of your story throughout your journey, every step of your career, every step of your career, every step of your life. I think it's wonderful advice. I'm going to dig in a little for one group that we often don't talk about as much. We talk a lot about students and emerging. We talk a lot about senior executives, but I'm going to pick up on our theme of being in the middle. For what advice do you have for those who are there are, there are steps into their career enough where they can look back and see from where they're come, but they're not at the end of the line where they can see forward, but they're right there in that kind of productive middle. What advice would you have as we kind of, you know, we've talked about turning a corner or doing something new. And a lot of folks who are attending our career fest, like with our portfolio festival, are at that point that they're thinking about what's next. What advice or counsel would you give? They're right in the middle of their career. Is that what you're right, right in the middle. Yep. I think, you know, 
I, we talked about this um, briefly last week where we, I was on a podcast called Reconsidering and I, and I did the arcs of your career where, you know, your first one to six years. And if you haven't listened to the podcast, you know, for those out there, it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful podcast, not just my session, but um, um, my uh, Bob Baxley, Meredith Black and, uh, have, um, and Aaron Walter have put together this new podcast and it's called Reconsidering. Uh, and I talk about the career arc at, you know, the beginning stages, the middle stages, and then sort of, you know, the year 16 to 30 of making your mark. Um, but the, the years of six to 10, of really defining yourself right. is what I think you're talking about, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're in it. You're sort of discovering your mastery. You're discovering where your skills are. You're discovering who you want to, who you want your community to be. You've you've identified some mentors. You've you're asking the whys and the whats and the who's more deeply. And um, there's a more there's greater intentionality around why you're doing what you're doing, where you're struggling, who, mm -hmm. how do you address those struggles, be it through a coach, be it through a mentor, be it through, you know, a reading list of, of material that will sort of keep you inspired, engaged. But, um, and you're also sort of, you're entering in like family obligations, right. you know, aging parents, um, navigating wrong turns and sort of waking up to decide how do you redirect yourself. So my advice to people during this period of time is actually during every period of time is to pay attention and, and to take note of the people you're with, the work you're doing, you know, paycheck versus joy. Um, and, and to really um, think about what matters? I think that's, that's incredible advice. I was going to ask you what advice you had for everyone else, but I think, as you said, that covers us. Kind of advice. It's universal it, it, advice it, it, every it, step it, of the way. It, it's good advice every step of the way. And, you know, you can also apply that to, you know, it's not just the candidate, it's the companies. There's different stages of growth in a company. It's not just like, you know, people seed, early stage, later stage. Series D, public company, they all, these are the arcs of organizations. These are the arcs of people. And they, they're, it's, it's universal themes in every step. So I'll ask you this question to close out. As we turn the corner. Are we already in 45 minutes? Almost at 45 minutes. I can talk to you forever, but you know. Okay. Well, I have things to do today, but we'll. <laughs> they're, you know, they're going to keep me honest on time, but okay, you know, and, and we'll definitely come back. Um, what are your thoughts? What are you most excited about for 2022? I think there's a really bright future for the world of work right now. Um, coming out of 20 months of working in yoga pants and, right. you know, the, the COVID challenges. Um, but I believe out of chaos comes, you know, a lot of creativity and optimism. Uh, and I think how work is going to get done, right. how people are going to begin to, you know, the whole great resignation, which I prefer to refer to as a great reassessment. I think people are reassessing what matters to them and how work and life fit together, um, how economic and professional parity 
work together. Um, how people, I, I just think people are taking stock in a more meaningful way. And it's not just about the paycheck anymore. It's about, do I want to be home for my kids recital? Or do I need to be at the next board meeting? How do I do both? And do I need to be on the plane? Can I be in a garden working? Can I, can I be traveling with my family and also get my work done? Can I have my morning routine back and not be on a, a, a bus three hours to Cupertino? Like how? Right. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving these conversations today because people are really thinking about how do they want to show up in their world? How do they want to show up for their employees? How do they want to show up for their families? And I think, um, how do people want to take breaks? How do they want to be human in a world that has given us so many challenges? So I think the pandemic has really made such a difference in the future of possibilities. It was originally, I was going to end right there, but I just got a note that someone raised their hand and it was a question you and I talked about last week. And it was how... Do you show, and I, I know you have such powerful words on this. How do you explain to someone that you've had to take a break or take a gap for taking care of family or kids? How do you embrace time away from the professional path to your advantage going forward? I actually don't think it's a break. I guess it's a break because you're not at your desk on Zoom doing emails or whatever, but the the experience of taking care of a family member or it, it's only going to nurture your soul in a deeper way so that when you come back, you've, you've, you, the empathy bone perhaps is stronger than it was before. Your appreciation for life in a different way that then translates into your leading people. I don't, I think, I don't think we should look at it as a break but rather as a, a, a moment in time where you're going to change up your routine for what matters in life. And I think with that, I want to say thank you, Judy. As everyone can see, you're a connector, a builder, humanist, calligrapher, entrepreneur, mom boss. Mom boss, exactly. Mom boss. And just an incredible resource for us in the design community. I thank you again and we'll have you back so we can talk through 2022 next time. But I, I Love appreciate you so much and thank you all for joining us today and continuing with our AIGA Career Festival. Once again, I'm Benny Johnson and this is Judy Work. Thank you all. Thank you. Have a good day and thank you for inviting us. Me. Okay. You're welcome.